Rocks Austin, what's happening? You feel good? Man, I am so excited to be here. I, I am your biggest fan. I pray for you often. Um, I absolutely love these Weckenman boys down here. Thank God Ethan's not here today. It's such a better church service without him. Um, man, I love your pastors for real. Can you guys put, put, put your hands together for your pastors? You got the best. Love you guys. Well, go ahead and have a seat. Tell one person you look good, and on the other side of you, you sound good. You choose. Which one looks better? Hey, I know I'm trying to help some single people out right now. We're in week three of a teaching series called Kingdom Builders. How many of you are uh, new this week? I'd love to see how many of you guys are new. Come on, welcome to the fam. Hey, listen, I like to tell everybody right up top, because if you stay around long enough, you're going to find out for yourself, we are a bunch of messed up, imperfect people. And that's not just words. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy here with a man bun, and when you meet him, you'll know exactly how messed up people at this church can get. All right, we are messed up, imperfect people, but we love to get together and pursue a perfect God. So no matter what's going on in your life, you're welcome in this place, amen? We're glad you're here. We're in week three of a teaching series called Kingdom Builders. And uh, as, as Doug said at the very beginning, the question that we're asking in this series is, God, what have you done in my life? What have you given me, done in and through my life, my past, my story, my highs, my lows, the whole thing. What have you done in my life that I could bring back to you at the end of 2021 and say, God, let's not just build my kingdom, but let's be a part of building your kingdom, right? That's the question. And today I wanna talk about uh, finances, and it, it's, it's always uh, a little emotional, and that's why Doug asked me to do it and not him. Because he knows that um, there'll be some of you, that, so, so here's the deal, We're, we are gonna talk a little bit about, about finances this week. And I know that anytime you find out about, you know, that, hey, they're talking about finances at church, there are, like, your emotions kind of, they're all over the place, right? There's some people that are like, yes, Kingdom Builders offering next week, December 12th, I can't wait. And you're Doug's favorite people in the whole church. <laughs> but let's be honest, then there's a whole bunch of us that go, oh, yeah, we do that, don't we? My wife's probably going to want to give. <laughs> or you think this. You, you go, really, dude? I brought a friend today. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. But then there's some of you that it's like you're excited, you're a little indifferent, and then there's some that you're just flat out like, it makes you a little angry, doesn't it? And I get that. Um, when, I, when I was 15 years old, no, I was probably about, I take it back, I was probably about 12 years old. Um, I, went, I, could, I can remember... I'm so scatterbrained, I'm so ADD today. I got three stories I wanna tell you. Uh, I can remember like growing up, think maybe like three times, two or three times of my whole family going to church together. And one of them, my, uh, my dad, my stepdad, I grew up calling him my dad because he adopted me, he fell asleep. And uh, he snores really loud. And he's one of those guys that the second he falls asleep, he's already snoring. You ever met one of those? But it's like a purr, isn't it? It's like a and then and then he did the but he didn't wake up. He did the whole loud gargle and just stayed. And everybody starts looking at me and I'm like, look how big that dude is. I you do something, you wake him up. Like I'm not. The other time I can remember is he didn't fall asleep that I can remember, but we got out to the parking lot. The pastor had talked about money. And he got out to the parking lot, and I'm from Kansas, and, he's, and my family speaks in sentences of cuss words, and every now and then puts in another word. I mean, they string together cuss words in an art form. And my dad strung together a whole bunch of, I mean, artistically. And then, but in between the words that I can't say at church, he said, I knew it. All that place wants is our money. We're never coming back. And tore out. From, from being a little kid, I, I didn't know I'd grow up and be a pastor. 
I didn't know I'd get saved at 24 from a drug addiction. I didn't know I'd intern to be a pastor. I didn't know I'd ever talk about money on a stage. Like, I didn't know any of that stuff. But what I knew from a, from a very young age is, is it's possible to hear somebody talk about money in church and get really hurt by it. And I understand that. And so if that's you, I just want you to realize, number one, you don't have to be a part of any offering that this place does today or any other day. Um, this place doesn't want anything from you. Let me just tell you this. When, when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell can't stop it, that's exactly what he meant. This is his church. He takes care of it. He does not need a penny from any of us to keep this church running. It is his church. I want to talk about giving today, but I hope you can feel like from my heart, what I really believe is I believe God set this system up not so he can get anything from us because he doesn't need anything. He's God. He has everything, but so that he can actually turn around and give something to us, that it adds something to our life that we missed out on without this giving piece. In fact, um, I don't, I don't have a neat, tricky sermon today with a bunch of rhyming words or anything like that. I, I just want to talk about this from my heart because it's, it's, it's a raw subject for a lot of people. Is that all right if we just kind of have some real talk today about giving? Um, I heard a pastor recently say something that really resonated with me. He said, you know, I think today people just want real, especially after everything we've been through. He's like, I think, I think people want to know, like, what do you know and what have you lived through and what do you cry over? And I thought that's what I'm going to talk about this week. So we're going to talk about giving, but I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of those three statements. And so the first, first I want to talk about some things that I feel like I could say with confidence, like I know this, all right? Um, and the first one is this. What I know is, I know giving is a God thing. It's not a Christianity thing or a religion thing or a church thing or a New Testament thing or an Old Testament thing or a Doug thing. Giving is a God thing. I heard a theologian talking recently about some key word occurrences in the Bible. And um, go ahead and put that up. And, uh, yep. And he, um, in the spirit of honesty, I, I have not double checked his work. So I don't know that this is exactly the right count. But based on who he is, I think it's pretty close. You'll get the point. He said the word believe is in the Bible 272 times. The word pray 371 times. The word love, 714 times. The word give, 2,152 times. Just think about this for a second. The same God who says, I want you to have life to the fullest. I'm willing to sacrifice my son so that you'll have life to the fullest in the here and now and eternity forever. I want you to experience the best possible life. That same God says part of getting there is this word give, and he says it over 2,000 times in his word. Giving is a God thing. See, my problem is, is <clears throat> I've always seen it as, what do you want from me? Instead of what he wants to do in me and through me. And I, and I, and I wanna try to flip that picture for you a little bit today. What if, what if you could start to see this as, God? what if God set up a system that allows my heart to be so connected with his that I can't, I can't stay away from him? That I feel his presence that I know he's with me, that I'm reminded of his goodness and his grace often, right? So what I know is giving is a God thing, and Malachi chapter three says, here's a starting point for it, and it's gonna use this word tithe, and, and I was gonna say this here a little bit later, but I, I, wanna, I wanna say this up front because I know what it feels like to sit in your seat and have somebody talk about giving in church, and what you start to think is, is you start to question motives a little bit, right? Like, Pretty convenient to talk about giving money to a church and you just happen to work at the church, right? And you have a man bun. <laughs> I can't support that financially. <laughs> I'm so glad Ethan's gone. My gosh, this is fantastic. We should just do a roast. <laughs> Ethan, I love you if this happens to be recorded. I really do. Um, I know what it's like to question motives, and so I actually asked Doug last night, I said, can you tell me the name of two churches that you really would like to financially support right now in the Austin area? And here's what I wanna encourage you to do. I'm gonna encourage you to take God up on this challenge and start trusting him with your tithe. But I don't want, your, I don't want you questioning my motives or anyone's motives or this church's motives to get in the way. So what I would say is... What? Oh! I thought you were saying my zipper was down. 
I was like, well, this is embarrassing. Doug, what kind of pest control do we do here? Do you see how bad we need to take a year-end offering? Holy mother, did you get it? You killed it? What's your name? Blanca? Give it up for Blanca. Guys, I about had a heart attack. It was like right there. What are we talking about? I'm so confused now. Oh, I know, I know. The tithe. <laughs> I don't want today's talk. <laughs> I can't, how do you recover? I don't, I don't want this to mess with your mind, and so I don't want you to have, I don't want questioning motives to get in the way of what I believe God would want to say to you, so I am going to challenge you to start to tithe, but if you can't trust this church, then come to this church and drink all the free coffee you want and send your tithe somewhere else, and I mean that 100%, and I said, Doug, what are a couple great churches? He said, Celebration Church is a great church, and a brand new church plant called Capital City. I mean, church plants always need some money. So if you have any problems with, not, with trust or whatever or motives, send your tithe somewhere else, but, and, and if you like it, keep coming here. Um, I don't think that's the best plan. I think the best plan is to actually go to a church where you trust the motives and you trust the heart and then jump in full force. That's what I believe the best plan is. But if you love this church, I don't want that to get in the way, all right? I want the motives thing out because what I'm about to tell you is, is how much I was against it and, how, and then I'm gonna try to help you see how much it's changed my life and, and it's what I want for you. The, the good things, that's, that's what I want from you. And I, and I think that's what God wants for every single one of us, which is why he set this system up like this. Bring your whole tithe, that's 10th, to my storehouse, the local church. It's the only time in scripture he says, do something and then he follows it up with, test me. Isn't that crazy? It's almost as if he knew we might have a hard time trusting him with finances. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. That's a crazy promise if you just sit and think about that. The creator of the universe says, I'm gonna ask you to do this one thing. If you don't believe me, just test me and I'm gonna open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much good into your life that you won't even be able to contain it. I don't know about you, but that's a promise I wanna take the creator of the universe up on. And, and we see this, this principle, we see it about 400 years before there was an Old Testament law. We don't have time to read all the scriptures today, but you can look into this for yourself. We see it before there was an Old Testament law. We see it in the or Old Testament law. We see it in the Old Testament law. We see it, Jesus talks about it in the New Testament. This is just a biblical principle we see all throughout scripture, but it's not easy. And when I first heard about it, I'll be honest, I wasn't excited about what I was hearing. And maybe like some of you, I actually got mad. I was in a church service and someone was like, you should give and give big. And me and my wife had just finished a vacation in our living room. And I was like, you don't have a clue how broke we are. You're telling us to give and give big. I will fight you right now. That's what I wanted to do. So I had, I, this is weird for me because I feel like some of you might know some of my story because we're part of the same family. And then I feel like some of you are like, who is this dude? So I feel like I got to kind of, I lived in LA until I was 24 and I was into drugs and all kinds of crap and I almost committed suicide. I got saved at 24 and then I ended up moving to Illinois to be around these church people at the church I got saved at, okay? So, so I'm in Illinois, I just moved there. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what does it mean to follow God? I, I'm all in. I, I don't want to kind of do this thing I'm in. Until they said it took a little money. You, know, you start talking about my money, now I'm mad. Because I have baggage. Because I remember how upset my dad was. Because I've grown up my whole life hearing about church scandals and weird things. And so don't talk about money. Talk about how to help me. Not what you want from me. That's how I felt. So I'm talking to the pastor's wife, who was also the youth and young adults pastor at the church, and she was trying to help me set up a budget, because I had never really set up a budget, because I was 24, but lived like I was 12, financially. And, and so she's like, okay, so let's set up a budget, and they had just given me a little part-time job at the church when I moved to town to gas money and food and stuff. 
So we set up a budget, and she's like, okay, gas money and food and what are, I don't remember what, credit card, minimum payment. <laughs> um, I had like 20,000 in credit card bills and 20,000 in student loans, and I had just totaled my car in LA before I moved there, so they gave me a church hand-me-down. I was living with a guy named Mikey at his parents' house. I mean, life wasn't amazing, you know what I mean? And she's like, and this is, she's helping me with my budget. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, I almost forgot. And she writes tithe at the top. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's tithe? And why does he want my money? <laughs> I can't support him too. She's like, no, no, no. And she actually read me this, this verse. And I was like, well, what are you, crazy? You know my situation. I live with Mikey. I got nothing, which brings me to point two. I know sometimes giving can be hard. Let's just be honest. It's still hard for me today, and I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, but there's just something in me that's so scared that what if, and what if I need it, and what if, and rainy day, and I grew up poor, and I never wanted to be poor again, and so what if, it's just hard. Can we be honest sometimes? It's just, it's hard. Like, even when I know what God's promised me, even when I see his past faithfulness, sometimes it's just hard, isn't it? I remember I said to this lady, I'm like, I don't think you understand. I have nothing. You know what she said? She goes, well, 10% of that shouldn't be hard to come up with. <laughs> oh, so you're going to get cute. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get cute. I said, I can't. I have nothing. I need every little bit I have. Let me, get, let me get on my feet. Haven't you ever felt this? Let me just get my personal finances in order. Let me get up on my feet and get stable, and then I'll start trusting God with that. You ever felt that? She said, she goes, Sean, you don't know this yet, but you will someday. It only gets harder because the more you have, the harder it is to actually live by this principle. She said, it only gets harder. What I've learned over many years of just watching this play out is, guys, it's not about how much you have. It's about how you steward what you have. It's not about how much we have. Because in Matthew, I think it was 19, Matthew 19, there, there's a story where a guy with a whole bunch, they call him rich in the, in, the, in the heading title, probably in your Bible. He has an encounter with Jesus, like a life encounter with the walking, talking, Jesus in the flesh, experiences Jesus, and Jesus said, I have a plan for you, and he calls him to an extreme level of generosity. And the guy's like, I can't do that. I can't jump into that because I got too much, and my heart's too attached to it, and it's what I built. I can't. I'm sorry. I want to. I can't. And the text said he walks away sad, having missed out on what God had in store for his life. He was loaded. Doesn't matter your situation, does it? Doesn't matter how much we have. It's how we steward what we have. Because if you also remember, Jesus celebrated a two-penny offering, didn't he? Mark chapter 12. And I know it's not actually two pennies, so just email ryanweckerman.com if you're mad. He's the theologian of this place anyways. Mark 12, 41 through 44, they're in a church service. Watch this. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. They're taking an offering in a church service. And he saw how the multitude cast money into the treasury. Many who were rich cast in much. A poor widow came and she cast in two small brass coins, which equal a quadrant's coin. He called the disciples to himself. Picture this. The disciples are in a church service and Jesus is watching people give. Talk about pressure, right? Have you guys ever, let me, let me just free you up for a second because we're talking about giving in this offering next week. Have any of you guys ever heard stories of like the churchy couples and you know the ones I'm talking about and they're, and they're just like, mm. <laughs> we fasted and prayed for 16 days apiece. We didn't speak once about it. I went my way, he went his way. We came back together, same number. <laughs> That's never happened in my house. Every time I ask my wife what we ought to give in the, the end of year offering, we get in a fight, every year. Cause she says crazy things. We'd be homeless if I give what she, 
We fight over, we get in actual fights. Like, that's irresponsible. Oh, yeah, you want to talk about irresponsible? How much you spent on shoes last month? Don't you talk about my shoes like that. And now we're in a whole, I just want to free you up. It's real. <laughs> Jesus is watching the offering. People are deciding what they're going to give. And something sparks his interest. And he calls his disciples over. He says, guys, you got to check this out. Get over here. Get over. And I picture the disciples coming over like they're like, oh, I saw, I saw that dude with that suit come in. What did he drop, Jesus? What's up? <laughs> Jesus said, that's not what impressed me. He said, most certainly, I tell you, this poor widow gave more than all those who were giving into the treasury. For they all gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty, gave all that she had to live on. What's Jesus saying? Giving isn't about our circumstance. It's about our faith. Because if you're broke, 10% feels crazy, and it takes faith. And if you feel rich, 10% sounds like way too much to give away. That's crazy takes faith. It's not about how much we have. It's not about how much we don't have. It's not about what our circumstance is. It's always a move of faith. Every single time. I was talking to Jeannie and I was like, man, I just, I got to get on my feet. I got to get settled. I got to at least get my own place before I start giving money away. I got to get some of this debt paid down. She said, Sean, Read that one more time. And I read it one more time. She said, what if God means what he says? What if he actually means test me and I'm gonna open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you don't have room to contain it? Why would you wanna wait till you're on your feet to start experiencing that? You've never needed financial assistance from the creator of the universe more in your life than right now. Why would you wanna wait? She's like, you can't afford to wait. And it, I hadn't seen it that way. So that day I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna do this. I think I'm gonna tithe, but I'm just telling you, it's still hard for me. It's still hard for me today. There's something in my soul that is so afraid of not having enough money or not being able to take care of the family or not being set for the future or not. I just battle it all the time. And so when it comes to the tithe, I'm not talking about like above and beyond offerings like next week, but for me and my family, what I tell our boys when it comes to the tithe, this just helps me process it, is guys, we're not giving God our tithe, we're returning our tithe to him. Because everything we have, we got from him. First Timothy 6, 17 through 19, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Here it is, listen. Who richly provides us with everything. Everything we have comes from him. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Now listen, in this way, they're gonna lay up for themselves, treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. He's talking about you're gonna impact eternity so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There it is again. I have a life that is truly life for you. I want you to experience this thing I call life to the fullest and attached to it, I give you the opportunity to partner with me by returning some of what I've blessed you with. It's gonna give you an eternal purpose, an eternal significance, better peace, better joy, better satisfaction. You live more life to the fullest and we make heaven more crowded which is what we said at the beginning we wanted to do anyways right he says so now I don't know about you but I, I sometimes argue with that like everything comes from God thing in my mind because I go yeah 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 everything comes from God but I work hard right I grind I hustle I've taken risks, I've taken steps of faith, I put in the time. And I used to honestly really struggle with that thought until about two years into this church's existence, we went on a trip to a field just outside of Rustenburg, South Africa called Freedom Park. And we went there to see a orphanage uh, because what happens is, is in this field, there's thousands and thousands of people living in this field and all the houses are made of trash and everyone, almost almost everyone, I don't remember the exact percentage, it fluctuates anyways, but is dying of AIDS in the field and can't leave. And this orphanage exists because parents 
die and the babies end up being put in trash piles and they take the babies from the trash piles and try to take care of them and we were there to try to get them, get them food and all the stuff they need. And I'm walking through this park and I see this little five-year-old and, and, and I don't know what he's saying, but the guy says, oh, he's looking for his mom and dad. He just doesn't understand yet that they've both already passed away from AIDS. And he'll spend his life in this field wondering if this will be the week he dies of starvation or not having water. And I went, I did not deserve to be born where I was born any more than he did. He didn't get to determine if he was born in Freedom Park or not. I didn't get to determine if I was born in America or not, but I could hustle my whole life and I could grind my whole life and I could take steps of faith my whole life and I could put in the time my whole life. But if I was that five-year-old kid in Freedom Park, my opportunities look a lot different in life, don't they? Everything I have is from God and you're the same. And so I remind myself and my family and my three boys that I'm trying to teach this to, I said, boys, when we bring back the tithe, we're not giving to God, we're returning. I rented a car last week, and I have this sickness where when I know I'm about to preach a message, all I do in life is look for sermon illustrations. Like, it's, it's, it's horrible. Do you do that? I'm like, my kid's doing the cutest thing, and I'm like, I don't care. Just say it again. I got to write that down. That was good. You know what I mean? I'm like, I missed the whole thing. I'm like, I got a sermon illustration. I'm returning the rental car, and I started laughing in my head thinking about this. I made up a pretend situation in my head. And it was so clear in my mind and funny that I started laughing out loud. My son's like, what are you doing? I said, shut up, kid. <laughs> Picture me pulling in with my, I think it was a Dodge Edge. The, a Dodge Edge, is that what it's called? Is, it, is that a car? Ford Edge. I trust you, you kill bugs. <laughs> Ford Edge. Ford Edge. Driving in my Ford Edge and, and, you know, Karen's over there with her little thing to check, see if I, you know, you didn't put gas back in it, you know, that kind of deal. And, and um, I pictured me driving through the, the Hertz return lane, but I got one of those huge red bows that go on brand new cars, and I put it on the hood, and I drive it in like that. Karen's like, I get out all excited. I'm like, Karen, <laughs> you have gone unappreciated in this company long enough. <laughs> Karen, I got you something. Get over here, get over here, Ashton. Ashton, take a picture of me and Karen next to the car I just gave her. And I could keep going with this scenario. In my mind, it entailed everyone who works there. It got, it got detailed. <laughs> at some point, right, as somebody who like, feels like they could actually tell me the truth is gonna be like, bro, you can't give them that car. They gave it to you. All you can do is return it. That's how I see my tithe. And I wonder if sometimes if God's like laughing when I'm like, God, I have something for you. <laughs> You've been unappreciated for too long. <laughs> He's like, that's cute, son. Thank it's like when your toddler hands you like their pacifier. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, thank you, son. That's, I love this gift you got me. I'm belaboring this point. You get the point. For me, and, and so for me, I, t I teach my boys, I say, boys, we return 10% to God, and then our generosity starts after that. And that's where I say, God, I trust you to do way more with the 90 than I ever could, so I'm gonna hold it loosely, and if you call me to something great, and if you don't, I'm gonna buy another pair of shoes. <laughs> and everybody said amen. <laughs> Number three, I know obedience brings peace. Man, I was scared to death to start this tithing thing, and she tried to take it a step farther on me. She tried to get me to set up auto-deduction. I'm like, oh, now it's getting offensive. Like, why on earth would I go set up automatic withdrawal? And she said, because you know you. And if you don't make it happen without having to think about it, you'll have this argument every two weeks with yourself for the rest of your life. And you'll make an emotional decision every two weeks for the rest of your life. She said, if you actually want to live this way, then make a, make a declaration of faith in your heart that says, this is how I live. And then go take a step of faith that actually makes it happen and just live that way. I'm like, don't you yell at me. I was scared to death, and again, it's, it's, it's this growing up poor thing. Like, we, we were poor, poor. Now, let's be honest. On our worst day, we're still the richest people in the world, but we 
first world problems, right? But I felt very poor, lived in a trailer home for a while, and then another trailer home, and then this tiny little house, and like I never had the right kind of shoes. I I love sports, but I never had the right shoes, and you know, it's just, (laughs) I bet a good therapist would say, that's why you spend so much money on shoes today. Never mind, that's a side point. So it just hit me, counseling right there, amen. So, so I'm gonna keep buying them, I don't care. So um, my baseball team would go to, uh, to McDonald's if we would win when I was a little kid. And we would have the same conversation every time me and my dad out, out, in, the, um, out in the car. He would have it with me in the car because he didn't want to be embarrassed and have to have it with me inside. But he'd, he'd sit me down and he was a big man. He'd, go, he'd say, hey, no Happy Meals in there. Hamburger, not a cheeseburger, hamburger. And we don't drink pop, we drink water. You got that? Yeah, I got that, Dad. I didn't understand why. All I knew is I felt different. I wanted the Happy Meal that all my friends were getting. What I didn't understand that my dad was doing his very best, and now I understand as a father, he was doing his very best for me to feel somewhat normal and let me go to McDonald's with the team, but the truth is we didn't have the money to be at McDonald's, and the difference between a hamburger and a Happy Meal meant a real big difference in our household. I just didn't understand that as a kid. I just felt different. I felt poor. I hated it. I only knew two things growing up. I've never met my biological father, and so there's only two things I craved growing up that I wanted to be as a man. I want to be a dad someday, and I was like, I know I'm going to be a good one, and I didn't want to be poor. That's it. That's all I knew growing up. So you see, me having somebody challenge me to give some money away is very, very hard for me because of my past, and I bet some of you know what that feels like. And I, and, I, and, I, and I went into the financial department, and I made that decision, and I walked out, and I couldn't believe what I was feeling. I understand it now because this verse describes it. I just didn't get it in the moment. This verse in John 14, 27 says, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit reminds you of the truth of the word of God and you actually act on it. These are the words of Jesus. Here's the byproduct. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I'm standing in this office telling someone to take 10% out of my very small paycheck already. And I'd never been poorer my entire life because not only did I just move across the country with nothing, I also have $40,000, $50,000 in debt. So I've literally never been poorer my entire life. And I've worried about money ever since I knew what money was. And for the first time in my life, I said, I put God in charge. And I walked out and I had a supernatural financial peace over my life that I had never had before my entire life. And it wasn't because my situation had changed. It's because where my faith and my hope is changed. And in fact, I remember hitting the parking lot going, God, my problems are now your problems. Good luck. (laughs) And I have peace. Obedience brings peace. And that's the thing we crave. We hope our savings will bring peace. And no matter how much we save, I think we've all learned by now, it just doesn't ever do the trick. It's that relationship with God that brings peace, which is why he said, I know how your heart is tied to your stuff, so let's bring back some of that stuff, not because I need it, I'm God, but because you need me to have it, so your heart's tied to me, see? I know giving is a God thing. I know giving can be hard. I know obedience brings peace. I've lived it. God pouring out blessing from the floodgates of heaven. It's not just money. This is not a, you should tithe and gotta give you a Rolex sermon. I do believe there are times when he blesses us with finances. And again, I could, I could bore you for another hour just telling you miracle stories of what God has done in me and my wife's life when we've been financially obedient, especially in tough times. But it's not just finances. What, what I have found out is sometimes it's strength. Sometimes it's courage. Sometimes it's freedom, sometimes it's peace. He blesses us and he said, I'm gonna open up the floodgates of heaven, which means I'm gonna bless you in ways that at times you don't even know you need taken care of yet. I got you, test me, trust me, son, trust me, daughter. It's not that I need something from you, it's what I want for you. And I've just lived it. My wife and I will be married as of next Sunday, 23 years. That's dope, isn't it? 
It's because I let her win every argument. No. When we got married, I was interning to be a pastor, and I was making $50 a week. That was an intern salary. And she was teaching at the Christian school attached to the church, and I think her starting salary was like 14 a year. So like we were poor. Like we could barely pay rent in this little apartment, and you know, we didn't even think about shopping. We didn't even think about going out on, on dates. Like a, a really expensive date to us would be to go to this thing that most of you have never, uh, never experienced personally. It's called Blockbuster. <laughs> we would go to Blockbuster and spend $1.99. Of course, we'd look for the 99 cent deals first. And then we'd come back and we would lay on the floor and watch a movie because the couch someone gave us was, was a little suspect and small anyways, but it was kind of gross. So we'd lay on the floor and watch a movie and we would rewind it in a heartbeat and get it back there that night because we could not afford the 99 cent late fee. That was a really expensive date night for us. I'm not kidding. That was it. We would cry when bills came in the mail. I remember one time like the car insurance came and my wife just started crying. She's like, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. We've just lived it. You know how many times I've wanted to not tithe? And to be honest, if I hadn't have married a better woman, there would have been times I would have just stopped. Because I just, I just act in ways when it comes to money that I'm not always proud of in my heart. I, I feel like it's gonna bring me that security a little bit more than I should in my heart. And you know how many times I wanted to be like, let's just, let's just stop for a second and let's get on our feet and get stable. My wife wouldn't let me, and thank God she wouldn't. Because God was so faithful to us, and he took these little paychecks that we used to get, and he multiplied them and did all of these miracles that I don't have time to tell you. By the time we left Illinois, we were living in a beautiful dream house that we built ourselves on a lot of land, and we got family in town and friends in town and job security, and I mean, life was amazing. And all of a sudden, one day, we felt like God said, would you walk away from it? Would you give it all to me? And what we decided was that we felt God was calling us to Denver, Colorado to go join with some friends and try to plant this church called Red Rocks Church. And so we sold our house and we had just moved into it. We both quit our jobs. My wife was pregnant with our second son, so we didn't have health insurance, no paychecks. We didn't even have a place to live. Somebody loaned us an apartment. So we moved to Denver with nothing, no family, no check, no job, nothing. And it, unless you're like really in, in, in the church world, like I would talk to friends of mine who weren't, and they're like, bro, what are you doing? That's crazy. Like none of that makes sense. You're losing your insurance. You don't have a job. You don't have a place to live. You just built a new house. Like what is wrong with you? And every week my wife would write out the budget, and it would be like baby food and diapers and gas money and whatever, whatever. And then she'd write the number down below, and she would always circle it. And every time she would circle it, it would be like, We'd just look at each other like, what? Well, we don't have that. So how's that going to work? And you know, I was thinking about it this week. The craziest part of all that to me is me and Jill didn't feel like we were being crazy. Never. And, and I was like, how is that possible? Because I've been worried about money my whole life. And the money didn't make sense. There was no way it could happen. And I was like, well, it's easy. I had spent 10 years of my life going God, I put my finances in your hands and you do more with the 90 than I ever could with the 100. And so I just trust you. And I have 10 years of walking with God, 10 years of financial testimonies. So when I see a number on a piece of paper circled in ink, who freaking cares? My God's in control of this situation. He called us. He'll take care of us. I'm going to walk in that and I'm going to have peace and joy even when it doesn't make sense even when giving doesn't make sense. And I'm just telling you, we've just lived it. And put me on a polygraph test today. If you go, hey, over the last 25 years of living your life this way, if you could go back and get one penny back, would you? And I could tell you on a polygraph test right now, not a chance in the world. Because I've received so, much, so many blessings from God, even in the areas that have nothing to do with finances. This is the last part of it, and I'll, and I'll shut up. I took my son out for his 13th birthday recently. And I have all my boys, they have to write down like, I ask them these questions when they turn 13. It's, it's the become a man questions. And 
what kind of man do you want to become someday? And how are you going to stay pure? And what kind of people do you want in your life? And what do you want your future wife to be like? And how do you want to be remembered? And what kind of a, what's a man of God mean to you? And stuff like this, okay? So, so he's answering these questions. And I say to my son, I said, son, how do you want to be remembered? And my son Ashton looks at me and he goes, first thing he said, he said, dad, when I grew up to be a man, I want to be remembered for being generous. Guys, I lost it. I start bawling. Because I'm thinking about, he has no idea how many times during his life I've wanted to stop trusting God with our finances. But my, my, my wife's just better than me, and so I haven't. And you know what my 13-year-old has seen? He has seen through hell or high water, my parents trust God with their money. They're generous no matter what. So guess what I want to be when I grow up? One of the greatest blessings I've ever received in my life is hearing those words from my son. Can't put a price on stuff like that. What I've cried over, the purpose attached to our generosity. That's what I've cried over. I've been crying over it for 17 years. I don't know what happened to me. I never cried before I got saved. <laughs> I haven't stopped. You're about to see a four-minute video, and then we're going to worship. The video starts with me 17 years ago. I'm not happy with how it looks. <laughs> a little skinnier and way too much hair dye. <laughs> but it was me making a, making a fundraising video 17 years ago for this idea called Red Rocks Church that no one had heard of. And I asked my friends and family to do the same thing. If this is your church family, I'm asking you to ask. I'm not asking you guys for a penny. Doug's not asking you guys for a penny. All we ever do is go, hey, why don't you ask God what you should do? And if we all answer that question together, we're gonna go change the world, period. So I, in this video, I was asking people to ask that same question. Would you ask God what you should do? Because I think if you're generous, God will use it. And then I asked the creative department just to throw together some clips of what God has done over the past 17 years, which of the last three you guys have been a part of. So when you watch this video, number one, if, if you're, you're like, I have no intention of being a giver. I don't want to be a part of next week's offering. I'm just checking this church out and kind of feel gypped because I came here to visit on give day. I get it. So as you watch this video, just do this. Forget the giving stuff. Watch this video and watch how many people say God has changed my life. God has changed my life. God has changed my life. God has everybody on this video. They didn't think they have a chance. Everyone in their family thought was too far gone. They didn't think they'd ever find God. They didn't think it mattered for them. They didn't think God would love them and their lives have been changed. And so I just want you to think, what if, what if God wanted to do that in me? If this is your church family and you've ever given here over the past three years, and I know some of you have been a part of the church for a long time and then moved to be a part of the Austin location. If you've ever given a penny to this thing, I want you to watch this video with some ownership. If you've ever volunteered at this church, I want you to watch it with some ownership. If you've ever prayed for this church, invited somebody to this church, gotten in a group, gotten, I want you to watch this video with some ownership and go, that's why I do it. Look what God has done through my sacrifice. Because doesn't it, isn't it sometimes we write checks or we serve or we volunteer, we do whatever. And the truth is, in the back of our mind, we're going, what's the point of this whole thing? I want you to watch this video and be reminded, that's the point. That's why we do what we do. And if you're potentially thinking about making this your church and you go, or this is my church and I might be a part of next week, next week's offering, then I want you to start thinking about this. What if? What if I did and what might God do? Amen? All right, watch this. Uh, by the time you get this video, we'll be just about ready to have our first church service right here in this room. And I, I can't wait. I can already see the salvations that are going to take place in this room. I see people getting baptized in here and being discipled in here. And I'm so excited, I'm so excited for what God is gonna do right here. The first service I knew that this is where I was supposed to be, I knew this is where God was putting me. I went from completely being a lost cause as soon as I got this good news, like 
It completely changed my life. I, for the first time, have self-respect, self-purpose, and um, I don't feel alone, and I feel loved and forgiven. Coming to this church on the day that I did, God had a plan for me. I felt that. I didn't have a very strong definition of love until that day. Now I carry that with me wherever I go. Once I actually attended church for the first time, it just kind of overtook my life. Um, I wanted, I was kind of like a child again. Like I just wanted to learn everything about it. Red Rocks is such a strong community. Um, it's, it's a family and I think that I found my home here. I found my family here. And the people at Red Rocks showed me the love first that I didn't deserve and that allowed me to keep going back. Thank you um, for just being on fire for the Lord and being a group of people that has been so welcoming um, and has just welcomed me and my family with open arms. I felt really alone. <laughs> a lot, but I don't, I don't know. I would not be as strong as I am today without Christ in my life. It was because of him and everybody here at Red Rocks that I'm able to stand up and tell everybody my story. The only time I ever had any shred of peace was when I was able to come to Red Rocks. It was the first time in a long time that I had actually felt understood. And if not, for them loving on me and telling me how much God loves me and how much he values me. And if not for that, I wouldn't be here. Without you inviting me, I would be so lost. And my eternity would not be set. I'm just eternally grateful for you taking a risk, for you humbling yourself to invite a wretched person like me. This time right now is where I'm supposed to be because for the first time in my life, I have true faith in him. The things that I went through that pushed me away is gonna help me bring other people to know him. I just felt like I found purpose. It's just been unbelievable to see God working. Would you guys stand up with me? Why do we do it? Why do we give and serve and show up and invite and pray for and all the stuff? 48,712 people that we know of have said, I wanna start a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we do it. And we are just getting started and this campus is proof of that. It's just the beginning. What you're seeing right now in this room at a brand new church plant like this, this isn't normal. You guys know that, right? The amount of baptisms and salvations that have happened in less than three years right here, it's not normal. God doesn't need anything from us, but he says, if you'll let me, I'll give you an opportunity to partner with me and we'll go change the world together. It's like a dad who says, come here, son, I'm working on the car and I want you to help me. Hand me that wrench. But the son goes, I get to be a part. I get to work with dad. We get to work with dad, guys. And the greatest evangelistic tool on the planet, the local church. That's why we do it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for everything you're doing right now in our lives. I thank you that we can, exp we can experience and feel your presence right now. I thank you that you're speaking to us right now. God, I pray for anybody right now who's experiencing depression, anxiety, shame, hopelessness, 
needs a physical touch. God, I just pray that you would be with us right now in this room, that we would begin to feel your presence right now in this room, that we would be reminded today that we're not playing in some game today, that you're real, that heaven and hell is real, that you are very real, that you are with us right now, that you created and spoke this world into existence, that you're coming back to get us one day, and that we're, our plan is to be with you forever in heaven. And that during this short time we're here, I pray, God, you help us live in such a way that we really can say, I'm living to make heaven more crowded. With everyone's eyes closed, I have one question I wanna ask today. I've been talking about money, but the truth is God's been talking to you about you. And you watched that video and he started using their testimonies to speak to you about your own life. And what you've become aware of is, wait a second, if Jesus died on the cross, to pay the price for their sins, and he changed their life when they received that gift, what would happen if I received that gift from Jesus? What would happen in my life? If they can experience life change, maybe I can experience life change, and you can feel your heart beating right now. It's the, it's the creator of the universe calling you right now into a relationship, lovingly just drawing you into a relationship with him. So if that's you and you know this is my moment, I can feel him calling me, this is my day, I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins, and I wanna, I wanna begin to follow him, I can feel it, this is my moment, in, in Jesus' name. If that's you right now, raise your hand. I wanna follow Jesus today, and I just, yep. God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Keep raising them, praise God. Don't let this moment pass you. I know you want me to respond right now, God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, yes. God, you knew exactly why you brought us here today. I thank you that you don't do coincidences. For every person whose hand is raised right now, I pray that they would realize that they've just made the best decision in the world, that their eternal life is changing as of this moment that a brand new beginning is happening as of this moment. And I pray as we begin to worship you that they would just sense your presence in such a real and special way. And I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed today. And God, I pray you speak to every single one of us. We need your wisdom today. We need your guidance today. We need your healing today. We need your peace today. We need your joy today. We need your miraculous provision today. And as your sons and daughters, we just say thank you. Thank you that you do things in and through our lives we've never earned and never deserved. And God, it's our honor now to worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship.